Court Wing is the founder of CrossFit NYC, the largest CrossFit gym in the world, the 16th affiliate and home to more than 1,100 clients. He's been doing CrossFit in NYC, the first box in New York since 2005. Has the uh, CrossFit brand increased value for the individual affiliate? Uh, well, that's the big experiment um, with HQ saying uh, markets will favor excellence. My name is Chris Cooper. I'm the author of Two Brain Business, and every week on this show, I try to ask the big questions about the fitness industry and leave you with some actionable steps you can take to improve your gym. I spent the last few days at the CrossFit Games in Carson, California. This is the 10th Games, and I didn't plan to go this year. But I was invited a few weeks ago by Savon to come out, visit with some HQ staff, talk to affiliate owners see the games, and just kind of hang out, drink some beer. So I decided to go at the last minute. I was there from Friday through Saturday, and I left early Sunday morning. It might seem ironic that the title of this episode is Should You De-Affiliate? But you're going to see why. I recorded a number of conversations at the games this year, and while I'm going to be playing those out over the next few weeks, in this episode I'm going to talk about the reasons that some boxes are choosing to de-affiliate or choosing to not affiliate with CrossFit at all, and what my recommendation is going forward. The testimony that I got from so many conversations this weekend is really going to point in one clear direction. So I want to put my story in the proper context. I owned a gym long before I found CrossFit. I've been coaching fitness since 1996. This is my 20th year. I opened up Catalyst Fitness in 2005, and it was a gym where we didn't do CrossFit, we did personal training. In fact, when we found CrossFit in early 2007, the first words out of my mouth were, this sounds like bullshit. We tested it out, we started blogging our results, and what we eventually found was that CrossFit improved the adherence and retention rate of our clients, and so we affiliated in 2008, becoming CrossFit Catalyst. At the time, Greg Everett was Catalyst CrossFit, and so he and I worked out a deal where he could remain Catalyst CrossFit and I would become CrossFit Catalyst. Through all of this, HQ was just this distant group in the background, this shadowy cartel of people that I didn't know and whose plans I couldn't understand. That didn't mean they were wrong. And as you're going to hear in this podcast, as I talk to different people, it's not always clear what HQ's plans are. But does it have to be? That's one of the big questions I'm going to be asking. Do we need to know why they do the things that we they do? Is blind faith enough? Has HQ done enough for its affiliates? What else could it be doing? Are they doing the wrong things? Are we going in the right direction? Where are we going? Where are we headed? And what's the point? More importantly, what is the value of the brand to the individual affiliate? What does the CrossFit name do or not do on the front of our gyms? Is HQ living up to its responsibility to us, the licensees? Full disclosure, I worked for HQ for over a year as a staff writer. I served on CrossFit for Hope, and some of the access that I've gained to the inner circle of HQ has come through my writing for CrossFit for Hope and my participation in things like St. Jude in Kenya. We've also collaborated on some business projects that are coming out soon, I hope, in the CrossFit Journal. So from the outside, it can look like I have a specific bias that's pro-HQ. But let me tell you why that's not true. When I graduated college with a CSCS in hand, the best option available was to work at a college as an assistant prof or even a prof, 
get a master's degree, maybe get paid about forty to 45000 a year doing my dream job as a strength conditioning coach for Division One athletics. That was what was available. You either coached or you taught other people how to coach. You made about forty grand, and you worked a teacher's schedule. CrossFit has created this new entrepreneurial opportunity, the likes of which we've never seen before. We've created about 14,000 small businesses now. There aren't very many initiatives out there, government or otherwise, who can claim that. But the larger scope is that each one of these businesses can change hundreds, maybe even thousands of lives. And that's why I'm in this. That's why I wrote the books. That's why I do this podcast. That's why TwoBrainBusiness.com exists with thousands of free articles and all kinds of other content like videos. My goal is to help you, the gym owner, help other people. And if I think that the CrossFit brand is going to help you do that, then I'll tell you so. If I think it stops doing that, I'll also tell you that. In every dealing that I've ever had with HQ or Greg Glassman himself or upper-level staff, it's that honesty that's been respected most. I also understand how an individual affiliate can feel slightly removed from HQ on a daily basis, and so part of my role in guiding you toward best practices and meaningful long-term careers in the gym industry is helping you bridge that gap, telling you what HQ is really like from my own experience what the people are like, what the intent is, and how you can optimally use the CrossFit brand to help yourself change lives. When you go for breakfast with Tommy Hackenbrook, you're going to spend some of your time being a photographer. Sitting in a Starbucks on Avalon Avenue just outside the CrossFit Games, Tommy and I were splitting a coffee, talking about CrossFit, talking about affiliation, and people kept walking up as they do with Tommy and asking to have their picture taken. Of course, I was happy to be the cameraman. But in between, Tommy and I had some great discussion. His reasons for staying a CrossFit affiliate, despite the ups and downs he's had with two gyms and three gyms and back to two over the years, have a lot more to do with a sense of loyalty and Thanksgiving than maybe with anything else. But he does still feel like the CrossFit brand has a lot of value for attracting people to his gym and describing his service. Here's Tommy. Tommy, is there ever a situation where you would consider it advantageous to de-affiliate with CrossFit? Um, no, honestly not. Um, there's, I mean, I could see unaffiliating if it came down to saving $2,000 a year or something, but I, I feel like that would just be the last step before, you know, Jim were to go out of business. I could talk to some good friends who are very successful, who have actually kind of gone away from the branding and, and tried to build their own fitness brand. Um, but and, and that's not really anything I've ever considered, but even if I did that, I would keep my affiliations um, just for the simple fact that we're doing CrossFit in our gyms and also like I, you know, appreciate what I've learned from Greg Glassman and what he's done uh, for the fitness industry, what CrossFit has done for the fitness industry, just that in and of itself, um, you know, I, I feel like I owe them so much that the least I can do is to uh, continue to be an affiliate. Is it primarily out of a sense of gratitude or do you, do you feel like there is still a strategic advantage to being a CrossFit gym? Um, I, I mean, it's hard to say because I haven't tried both, but to me, it's, it's more out of a sense of gratitude. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to say 
I, I think you have to have a pretty strong brand um, for carrying the affiliate name to uh, to really help all that much. I, I, I don't know. It's um, like when people come in from out of town, they come to my gym, and, and that's because of the brand I've built within the CrossFit community. So I feel like that's because of you know maybe what we've done at the CrossFit Games. Uh, look at, at NorCal as a, another example. If one of my clients travels to the Bay Area, you know, it's really easy. That's the first gym that pops into my head. Hey, you should go try, you know, NorCal affiliate. Um, even though they're all called NC Fit now and, and they've gone away from uh, the CrossFit branding. So, you know, that's helped me, but, but it hasn't. I don't see that hurting by dropping the CrossFit um, because I feel like my brand on national scale would still be as strong. I don't have the data. It's hard for me to say, like, how many people in my community are searching for a CrossFit affiliate <clears throat> and if keeping that, that CrossFit name would, you know, would hinder me. I mean, honestly, we've grown our gym this last year using the, the New You Challenge that I'm a part of, and, you know, that's done way more for me than anything. That doesn't mean there's not people looking for a CrossFit affiliate. I just think that... Um, you know, doing some uh, some external marketing in this day and age is, is probably a good thing for affiliates because, you know, in a lot of markets it's very saturated and um, it's hard to drive any significant traffic just by, you know, sitting around and waiting. In other words, don't dump the brand, just do a better job marketing it. You can find details on Tommy's marketing, the new you challenge, in a previous episode of this podcast. So now the question is, what is HQ's responsibility to us, the affiliates, licensees, not franchisees? In a franchise model, the franchisor, like McDonald's, tells you how to cook the hamburgers, sells you the hamburgers, sells you the wrapping paper, tells you how to train your staff and what kind of uniforms to wear, how to build the golden arches outside, everything right down to the detail. You really can't fail in a franchise model. However, to get into that franchise model, you're probably going to need at least a $2 million bond and at least seven hundred or 800000 in liquid assets that you can put down on the table right now to get things going. You're going to lease the land from McDonald's. You're going to buy the meat from McDonald's. You're going to pay for your employees to be trained by McDonald's. You're going to operate on a 3 to 5% profit margin. In other words, you're going to spend your day counting plastic straws. In a licensee model, you have the right to use a name almost any way you see fit. You can attach the CrossFit brand to almost any word and print that on t-shirts or hats, or you can offer classes for a million dollars a month or one dollar a month. It's up to you. You can train your coaches any way you like as long as they meet the L1 standard. You can open up at midnight. You can have one client or 5,000 clients in that same location. It's completely up to you. This is libertarianism at its finest. The downside of such an open market strategy is that there is no business coaching. There are no preferred systems given to you. There are no best practices shared 
at least from the top down. And so we all have to figure these things out for ourselves or find a business consultant. HQ's job is not to reach Mother Mary and convince her to come into your gym. HQ's job for marketing is brand awareness. And now through the Reebok and ESPN partnership, that brand awareness is at an all-time high. Anyone in your town who is thinking, I need to get fit, has heard the word CrossFit. If they're interested in fitness, they know the phrase. That is HQ's job, and they've succeeded incredibly well. Awareness is only the first stage of marketing. It's true. The next stage is desire, and then integration, and then retention. Those are your responsibilities. But some folks understandably feel like HQ should be able to drive a bus down Main Street, pick up a bunch of random people, drop them off at your gym, and keep them around. They feel that maybe the programming is the magic sauce, but they still don't do CrossFit.com, so I'm not sure how CrossFit HQ can be blamed for that. They feel like they're selling community, but no client has ever walked into either of my gyms and said, can you help me find some new friends? My personal sense is that people who claim that CrossFit isn't effective for helping them sell their service just don't know what else to do, but don't want to accept any responsibility themselves. They want to abdicate responsibility for their gym having new people come in. There are people on the other side of this fence, too, who will claim that the CrossFit brand is actually hurting their gym business. So before we start talking about that, I want to walk you back to 2007, just before we affiliated. We were doing sled pushes. We were doing clean and jerk and snatch. We were doing high-intensity interval training. We were doing mixed modal high-intensity interval training. We were doing constantly varied functional movements at high intensity. But if somebody walked up to me on the street and said, what makes your gym different? It would have taken me five to seven minutes to explain that difference, and they probably would have left more confused than before they asked the question. Now, if somebody approaches me on the street and says, tell me about Catalyst, I say we're a CrossFit gym. The power to sum up and put a picture in somebody's mind of what goes on in our service is worth millions of dollars. Ask any marketer. Ask any market researcher who makes a career out of trying to paint that same picture in people's minds where they can see what goes on in that service and picture themselves trying that. Maybe their first reaction could be negative. That's fine. Refine your pitch. Change your description of CrossFit. But if you drop the word CrossFit, you're not starting from anywhere. You're starting from the middle of the desert and trying to describe what a mountain looks like to somebody who's never seen one. A lot of this awareness stage marketing can appear to be notoriety. It can appear to be the philosophy that no Publicity is bad publicity. Is that true? Is this part of the strategy all along? Or are CrossFit HQ people like Dave Castro really just trying to piss people off on Facebook? The doomsday scenario for the CrossFit brand has always been on the lips of its affiliates. Maybe we're a skeptical bunch by nature, or maybe we just think that it's all just too good to be true. Whatever the reason, affiliates have been complaining about HQ's actions since before most of us even affiliated. 
Back in 2009, the big public outcry was all around accepting Panda Express as a sponsor. A lot of people didn't think that was a great move, that it was taking away from the zone diet or the paleo diet, and we didn't want to see Panda Express at the games. Most people have forgotten about that now. But even before that, the Makimba Mims case, where a client got rhabdo while doing a quote-unquote CrossFit workout, signaled to many the death of the brand. This was widely reported and widely commented on that CrossFit was going to go downhill because of the rhabdo problem. There were a lot of articles written, you know, most of them called CrossFit's dirty little secret about rhabdo. But the truth is that CrossFit HQ has done more to educate the world's trainers on rhabdo than any other organization. It's part of the L1 course curriculum now. It's right on the test. And you're less likely to get rhabdo at a CrossFit affiliate than you are shoveling snow, at least in my neighborhood. The biggest outcry I can remember was when Reebok became the title sponsor of the CrossFit Games. There was all kinds of talk about selling out and how CrossFit had lost its way and sold its soul to the big corporate entity Reebok. But I went to the Games that year and I was with a Masters athlete and the way that he was treated thanks to Reebok was outstanding. He was made to feel like a professional athlete. He got all kinds of Reebok clothing and shoes and perks, all kinds of stuff that would never have happened without the Reebok sponsorship. Once again, HQ's motives and direction were questioned by those who weren't sure of the context behind the decision. Now, I admit I have been on the other side too. I've questioned what the heck was going on at HQ that made them do X, Y, or Z. But what I wasn't factoring was that I didn't know why they made the decisions. They weren't making the decision out of hand. That they were doing it with the affiliate's best interest in mind. And even if those reasons weren't clear to me at the time, the reasons were there. This year at the Games, a lot of talk was around the Glock sponsorship. But if you listen to Greg Glassman's video, and I'll post it in the show notes here, on sponsorship, not endorsement, you'll see where HQ draws the line. There is a big difference. People are allowed to accept sponsors without actually endorsing the sponsor's product. This happens in every professional sport. Only six months ago, there was a huge public outcry over HQ's posting of anti-diabetes sentiment. And it was perceived, even in my city, by people as being unfair to those with type 1 diabetes. Again, this was not the intent of HQ. The intent was to stir up discussion around Coca-Cola and the beverage industry and their ties to pre-diabetes conditions. This podcast is about the business and coaching of functional fitness. And so the question has to be asked, does CrossFit's HQ's actions help or hurt the gyms who license its name? Each of these decisions that I've mentioned and campaigns that you see in social media taken individually have caused quite a bit of stir. A lot of people take offense. Some people have de-affiliated over them. But if you look at the long view and the context of time, it has been a real blessing to me to understand this. None of these things have hurt the CrossFit brand in my local area. If you ask members of my gym what they thought about the programming last year, None of them will say, oh, I thought the athletes were put at risk. One or two might say, oh boy, that's risky doing Murph in that heat. But none of them are saying to their friends, don't come to Chris's box because CrossFit HQ is doing risky things. Internet searches for CrossFit are not going down. 
people who are trying to lose weight and seeking your services are probably not reading or caring about the Glock decision. In some cases, it's certainly a case of affiliate owners projecting their fears onto their potential clients. So here's my challenge to you. If you're thinking about de-affiliating, give it six months. Track the number of people who come in your door and multiply that by their average revenue per member. That's going to give you a picture of your return on investment for licensing the CrossFit name. In business, a lot of these decisions should be made mathematically, logically, not emotionally. The other thing I'd like you to do six months from now is ask who's still talking about the Glock sponsorship of the games. And note that there will probably be some new big controversy happening whether done on purpose or not by HQ, clients will still be coming through your door, clients will still be searching for the CrossFit brand in your city, and your clients will still be doing CrossFit because you're a great coach. Doug Chapman was the 13th affiliate CrossFit Ann Arbor, better known as HyperFit USA. In April of this year, Doug made the decision to close his bricks-and-mortar location and focus solely on remote programming for games athletes like Ron Ortiz, Brooke Wells, Jacob Hepner, China Cho, Freddie Camacho, Camille LeBlanc, Bazinet, Zach Carcidi, Jennifer Smith, the list goes on and on. Even though he closed his physical location, he kept his affiliation. Why? Why? Uh, what, as I have a plan to set up, I'm going to actually do uh, probably another facility. I just haven't decided uh, when, if and when. Uh, part of it is that I'm going to let the the economic, you know, issues of being a box owner kind of shake themselves out right now. Uh, basically, what's happened is this is like, you know, there's been a huge amount of price pressure and low-balling and things like that, and there's going to be a shakeout within the industry, I think. So you're holding on to it, and you'll reopen eventually using it. I mean, I can always, the good thing is, is I still have the affiliation. So it's worth it to you to pay the $500 a year and just kind of keep that? Yeah. So currently, it's worth 500 bucks to me to have that potential asset or, you know, someday I'll live sell it. Compared to 2005, has the CrossFit brand increased its value to the individual affiliate? I don't know. You know, um, remember in 2005, we were an edgy group of first, you know, early adopters. And nowadays, it's, there's a lot of bandwagoning going on. And um, and it's hard to, because it's like right now, it's as if we were very different than every other place around in 2005. And now, you know, if you go to a Globo gym, they have CrossFit classes, whatever they call it. You know, they're doing barbells, doing snatches. And those are the guys who would, I would ask about the value because they're the ones that are not buying it. Do you think that just the general brand awareness is helpful to the affiliates right now? Yeah, yes. I mean, there is. But then again, you have to differentiate from the guy that's charging, you know, 100 bucks a month down the, down the road, you know. And the thing is, is that one of the most difficult things to do is, is differentiate yourself within a non-differentiated brand. So if you were opening up yeah, today, you would, would you affiliate or not? I would 
it was for me, if I were doing it like me, I'm the next place. I mean, I'm incredibly loyal to these to, to CrossFit. So I will, as long as they'll have me, I'll have them. Here's Court Wing again. So Court, has the value of the CrossFit brand increased or decreased for the individual affiliates since 2005? I would say it absolutely increased. It's huge now. Uh, when I started doing this, um, my wife heard of CrossFit, though she didn't do it. Um, uh, and then she would mention to her coworkers, uh, she's in the mental health field, you know, oh, my husband owns CrossFit NYC, and they're like, what's CrossFit? Within two years of that, uh, they're like, oh, CrossFit, you know, uh, and that's still the case. Um, you know, it's part of the nomenclature, and uh, there's absolutely more value, valuable because now in people's minds, it's an option. So you, as an affiliate owner... Do you think it's easier to get people to do CrossFit now than a decade ago when you were doing this in a park? Yes, <laughs> With, without without question. Yes. Okay. Um, the, the the familiarity is there. Um, obviously, if they're watching something like the games, they're looking at the top one percent or higher of uh, people practicing CrossFit. But uh, it, it's something that's uh, it's not an unknown quantity or quality anymore. Uh, people, people have a sense of what they'll be doing. Uh, and uh, I think CrossFit uh, HQ is doing a good job of um, showing uh, how, how available this is to uh, all sorts of people in the fitness spectrum, uh, particularly with their um, recent commercial where they were showing, uh, I think this was posted on each uh, main site, um, where you had uh, mostly senior athletes uh, training, and uh, they were all describing, and pardon me if I get emotional, um, you know, the improvement in their, in their health and in their lives, and watching those numbers get better. And uh, I've had discussions with people that are in so-called mainstream fitness, and their heads are starting to get turned finally, that, um, you know, there's something going on here and that um, if it's properly scaled and modified um, with mechanics, consistency, and intensity, this is as safe as anything else on the planet that's being offered for fitness and that there are a lot of benefits um, uh, to be gained for any athlete uh, with good quality coaching. Would you ever de-affiliate court? Me personally, no. Uh, no. Uh, CrossFit. Um, CrossFit changed everything, and uh, it's it's hard to picture um, not doing it in some way. Uh, or another in the future, um, you know. Uh, but I, I, I personally would never de-affiliate. It's, it's a very big tent. Uh, HQ is very supportive, but they give you a lot of leeway to figure out how to do this and to, 
implement what you think needs to be emphasized. And they give you room to discover. They give you room to make mistakes. Uh, and um, I, I am routinely, uh, routinely approached by people uh, when I go to uh, other certifications. Uh, people will pull me aside and say, so tell me about affiliating. What is that involved? What are you restricted in doing? Um, how would you approach that from a business standpoint? And I'm like, I honestly think you are hurting yourself in not affiliating. You have a wide open audience of people that you would be ecstatic to have in your, in your gym. Uh, people that are passionate and dedicated to learning and improving. And you just get to watch. I'm sorry. You just get to watch their lives get better. And, and, and I can see the fire spread, you know. And I tell them, you are welcome to program however the F you want. You know, you should be following, you know, obviously programming templates from uh, HQ and you should be aware of what the programming model is, but there is a lot of leeway out there for experimentation. You can place whatever emphasis you want, but I, I see it as nothing but a win. Uh, some people, obviously, in their their marketing um, are going to choose to de-affiliate in order to differentiate themselves. You know, now, like, maybe CrossFit was the... Um, I, the, the outlier, the, the rebel, um, now it's something that is being more broadly acknowledged and accepted. Uh, and so there are people that are obviously for marketing purposes or whatever, you know, philosophical, call it what you will, are, you know, doing their anti-profit thing or if, if not anti as in like against, just saying, no, that's not our, that's not our model. Um, and that's one way they, they can distinguish themselves, and that's what they're hanging their hat on, and that's fine. Uh, if it works for them, good. But no, personally, I would never be affiliate. What do these affiliate owners have in common? Tommy Hackenbrook, Doug Chapman, Court Wing. They've been around for a while. They've seen the long tail of CrossFit. They were there before it was popular, and when we struggled to describe what the heck we were doing with these kettlebells and big tires in these warehouse districts. That context might give us all a different perspective. But starting a business is playing the long game. Not reacting, but responding to what the market throws at you. Tommy said even if he closed his gym, he would still keep his affiliation out of a sense of gratitude. Chapman said even though his gym is closed, he's kept his affiliation because he thinks a better opportunity will come along and he'll be ready to start again. Court's affiliate is not closing, but he's surrounded on all sides from different fitness offerings and he believes that the CrossFit brand keeps him at the forefront of people's minds. Here's what I think. CrossFit creates a lot of opportunity for first-time entrepreneurs. And when you're a first-time entrepreneur, you don't have a lot of arrows in your quiver. This is why most first-time business people buy a franchise, because it's all done for them. With your CrossFit affiliation, you've got brand recognition. 
we've helped affiliates open up in small towns. And on opening day, they had 80 people walk through the door. On my opening day in 2008, I had zero people walk through the door. On the second day, I had two, a father and son. And it was years before I started making money on my affiliate. Three days ago, I got home from California. My mom called me to ask about the CrossFit Games. Four people have booked a no-sweat intro at my gym since I got home because of the CrossFit Games. Some of my daughter's friends are wearing nanos because of the CrossFit Games. None of these people asked me about the Glock sponsorship. And none of these people would have known the name CrossFit in 2005. It's in the nature of many of us to be counterculture. And now that CrossFit seems pervasive, it seems like CrossFit is the culture. And rebelling against that culture will make us counterculture. And it's held largely by those who have never been outside the CrossFit world. As I learned the hard way in 2005 and 2006, you cannot attract people by telling them what you're not. If you asked me to give you the best business advice I could in six words, it would be this. Ask better questions, tell better stories. This podcast has a brand new format, and if you like it, go to iTunes and rate it five stars. If you don't, let me know, chris at twobrainbusiness.com. See you next week.